Please be aware the stories, theories, reenactments, and language in this podcast are of an adult nature and can be disturbing, frightening, and even in some cases, offensive. Therefore, listener discretion is advised. Hey, there is very adult content ahead, and you know what? You've been warned. Welcome, heathens. Welcome to the world of the weird and unexplained. As always, I am your host, Nicole Delacroix, and together we will be investigating stories about the weird, wonderful, unexplained, eerie, scary, and downright unbelievable. There will be tales of ghosts, murder, supernatural beings, and unexplained mysteries. So, sit back. Grab your favorite drink, relax, and prepare to be transported to today's Dark Enigma. And on today's Dark Enigma, we're going to be exploring something, well, that was sent in as a listener request. And honestly, when I first got it, I just didn't really think that it was something that I would normally want to talk about or cover. But when I responded to Shelly, who is the listener, she was very, very passionate that I really needed to read it and, well, understand it. And you know what, Shelly? I owe you one great big apology. You were right. I think it's exactly what the listeners want, so today's show is dedicated to you, Shelly. As always, we will be playing our drinking game, but once again, the drinking game is only for those of us that are at home and have nowhere else to go tonight. Now, I'm going to leave the choice of libation up to you, so choose wisely. All right, now for the game part. How about every time I say Hopi, that will be a single shot, and every time I say Tribe, that'll be a double shot. All right, now that we have our business end out of the way, we can jump headfirst into today's Dark Enigma and the Hopi Prophecy of the End of the World. Someone insert R.E.M.'s End of the World. It's the end of the world as I know it. All right, now that you're going to have that earworm in your head, you're welcome. Bite me. (laughs) All right, let's jump into it, heathens. More than any other tribe, the Hopi Indians have developed their core beliefs and structured their community based on a legacy of prophecy. The predictions of the life to come do not merely pertain to the Hopi alone, but deal with impending events on a global scale. These prophecies began to be made public shortly before the mid-20th century. The Hopi Nation is an aggregation of clans that came together at the center point, or as they call it, and I'm going to butcher it, so by all means, laugh, Tuwansavi in northern Arizona during the course of their many migrations. Because they're not a monolithic tribe, the sources of their prophecies are, well, a little bit incomplete and rather diverse. Part of the lack of clarity also has to do with the secretive nature of the Hopi nation. These isolated, sedentary farmers living in unpretentious pueblos on the high desert of the American Southwest have looked into the future from their kivas, or subterranean communal communal prayer chambers, and have seen some rather disturbing scenarios. I mean, more disturbing than, you know, NBC's late night talk shows. No, I'm just kidding. Many times, they simply do not wish to share these visions with the outside world. 
and I can understand it. Like the Maya, among whom the Hopi once lived, and with whom they later traded, the Hopi conceptualized the cycle of time as world ages. The Hopi believed that we have suffered three previous world cataclysms. The first world was destroyed by fire, a comet, asteroid strike, or a number of volcanic eruptions. The second world was destroyed by ice, a great ice age. As recorded by many cultures around the globe, a tremendous deluge destroyed the third world. These three global destructions were not the result of merely random earth changes or astrophysical phenomena, but of humankind's disregard both for Mother Earth and for the spiritual dictates of the Creator. In other words, cataclysmic events in the natural world are causally connected to collective transgressions or negative human actions. Basically, we fucked ourselves. Unlike the Maya, the Hopi are rarely specific about the dates for the shifting of these ages. It has been said that the Maya were masters of time, whereas the Hopi are masters of space. The verb tenses here are deliberate, given that the Maya no longer follow the long count calendar of 394 year cycles. Instead, they now use the Soltkin calendar of 260 days. An amazingly complex system nonetheless. Living on their three primary mesas, the Hopi continued to perform a series of annual sacred rituals within their ceremonial cycle in order to keep not just themselves, but rather the whole world in balance. And as time goes by, this task is increasingly difficult because our contemporary lifestyle with its technological gadgetry and unseemly allurements continues to erode traditional ways of life and ancestral Hopi values. Fewer and fewer young Hopis are learning their indigenous languages, customs, and ceremonies, and more youth are leaving Hopi land to seek employment in urban areas. Those that do stay on the reservation are confronted with intra-tribal squabbles and much worse with high rates of alcoholism and increasingly available lethal street drugs. The dire signs of a Native American version of the end times are everywhere you look. Many Hopi spiritual elders claim that we are living in the final days of the fourth world. For more than 60 years, various elders have predicted various earth changes that signal the conclusion of the current age and the onset of the fifth world. In 1970, Dan Kachongova, Sun Clan leader from the village of Hotavilla, who died at age 112, spoke about deteriorating conditions of our time. And he said, and I quote, we have teachings and prophecies informing us that we must be alert for the signs and omens which will come about to give us courage and strength to stand on our beliefs. Blood will flow. Our hair and our clothing will be scattered upon the earth. Nature will speak to us with its mighty breath of wind. There will be earthquakes and floods causing great disasters, changes in the seasons and in the weather, disappearance of wildlife and famine in different forms. There will be gradual corruption and confusion among the leaders and the people all over the world, and wars will come about like powerful winds. All of this has been planned from the beginning of creation. End quote. 
I don't know about you, but that scares the living crap out of me. Another spiritual elder from the same Third Mesa village, David Monaghy, who may have lived even longer than Grandfather Dan, had warned, when earthquakes, floods, hailstorms, drought, and famine will be the life of every day, the time will have then come for either the return of the true path or going the zigzag way. The zigzag way refers to a line found on Prophecy Rock, a panel of ancestral Hopi petroglyphs in northern Arizona. The zigzag is the upper of two parallel lines. It supposedly represents the path of the two hearts. Those who are wrecking havoc on our earth, mother, and living contrary to ecological principles and the, and the laws of nature, and the lower line, on the other hand, is the path of the one hearts, who are close to soil and the growth of corn, beans, squash, that is adhering to the true Hopi ways. The upper path is divorced from the natural world and totally immersed in the synthetic manufacturer reality of iPhones and Xboxes and other technological gadgets. In essence, it is a lifestyle that the Hopi call Koyanas Kwatsi, which means world out of balance, or life of moral corruption and turmoil. The lower way, rooted in earth-based rhythms, finds solace and spiritual sustenance from corn pollen, sunlight, soaking rains, and vast desert vistas, a life in accordance with the Creator or the Great Spirit. This large sandstone panel facing due east was incised in ancient times with various arcane symbols. The petroglyphs were carved on the vertical surface of the boulder. Of course, what follows is merely possible interpretations. There are by no means an official Hopi reading of the symbology, nor are they sanctioned by the Hopi themselves. These are just what we think. The figure at the lower left is Masau, the Hopi god of death, fire, and the earthly plane. He carries a bow with his arrow pointing to the underworld or the previous third world. His left hand holds the path to the current fourth world. The circle to the right represents the earth or rim of the horizon. The Christian cross signifies the Spanish or Catholic incursion of Hopi land. The square represents a village, pueblo, plaza, or the Hopi territory. The two parallel lines positioned obliquely refer to the two life paths humankind must take at the end of the current fourth world. As previously mentioned, the upper line is the path of the two hearts. On this line are four figures with enjoined hands, the last figure appearing to have two heads or maybe two hearts. This line ends in a zigzag up in the air. The lower line is the path of the one hearts. Resting on this line from left to right are three circles which represent three world shakings or three world wars. To the right of the last circle are a corn stalk and a Hopi man tending corn. This line extends to the right across another section of the rock, whereas the upper line is not extended. The line on the right between the two parallel lines and perpendicular to them represents the last chance the two hearts have to descend to the true path on the lower line. Grandfather Martin Gashwisoma from the fire clan of the Hotavilla village on 3rd Mesa stated to a group in front of Prophecy Rock during the summer of 2011 that this lower line represented everlasting life and the rising sun. The Hopi say 
that as this time Tawa, the sun god, is the strongest and resides in his Tawaki, or summer house. Some other predictions made public by various Hopi elders in the 20th century include the possibility of the fourth world's demise. These involve an increasingly erratic climate and a few specific signals or signs of social and political imbalance. The prophesized earth changes include earthquakes, tsunamis, hurricanes, tornadoes, record flooding, wildfires, droughts, and famines. Pandemics are currently on the minds of the many. The 2014 Ebola virus epidemic in West Africa has already claimed over 5,000 victims as of the end of October 2014, and the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention projects as many as 1.4 million fatalities before January of 2015, although that was a worst-case scenario. The Hopi also predicted a number of technological changes that would signal the end of the fourth world. Long before it happened, the elders said a gourd of ashes would fall on the earth. This refers, of course, to nuclear explosions. First, the atomic test blast at Trinity Site in New Mexico, then the dual holocaust of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and finally, the other hydrogen bomb tests on Pacific atolls and in the American Southwest, with their carcinogenic effects on the downwinders. Hopi prophecies include the fact that people will ride in horseless wagons on black ribbons, basically vehicles and asphalt. In addition, aerial vehicles will travel roads in the heavens, pathways in the sky, either benign contrails or deleterious chemtrails. The Hopi also stated that one of the final signs is that people would be living in the sky, possibly our International Space Station. Hopi elders also foresaw numerous social changes. They said that Hopi delegates would travel at four different times to the house of Mika, the UN building in New York, but each time their pleas for peace would be ignored. The social conservative Hopi culture also believed that the end of the fourth world would be signaled by women starting to wear men's clothing, or the women's liberation movement. Thanks, guys. We just needed to get that feminism in there somehow, right? Finally, a Hopi in his late 50s said his grandfather had predicted in the 1960s what seems to refer to 9-11 of 2001. He said that an event would happen when America was sleeping and the country would wake up to a thunderous eruption of war. An apropos explanation of it. And on that note, we're now going to explore the nine signs of the spiritual elder White Feather's prophecies. In the summer of 1958, a minister by the name of David Young was driving across the Four Corners region of the United States when he picked up an old Hopi man by the name White Feather by the side of the, side of the road. This spiritual elder of the Bear Clan, the most sacred of all the Hopi clans, confessed that all his sons were dead and that the Hopi ceremonial cycle was slowly becoming extinct. After sensing Reverend Young was trustworthy, he decided to pass along nine primary Hopi prophecies that together would herald the destruction of the fourth world. White Feather stated that these nine signs would mean that the fourth world was about to come to a close. 
He said that his ancestors had foretold the coming of all the following events long before they arrived. The first, white-skinned people would take possession of the land and carry thundersticks that strike like lightnings. Well, I'm going to say that that's probably the Wild West with rifles and pistols. Spinning wheels with voices in them would come, whirring wagon wheels or maybe car tires, and maybe the spinning of records and CDs, who knows. Huge, strange beasts would appear looking somewhat like buffalo but with long horns. Well, that's definitely got to be cattle. I don't know about you. And then snakes of iron would spread across the land. Well, we definitely have those. They're called railroads. A giant spider web would crisscross the land. Well, that would be telegraph, telephone, power lines, and now the internet. Rivers of stone that make pictures in the sun would crisscross Hopi land, and that's definitely concrete highways in the desert, with their mirages of water. The ocean would turn black, and all the living things in it would die. Well, I don't know about you, but I remember summer of 2010 and the Gulf oil spill. That definitely happened. Young people with long hair would come to Hopi land to learn native ways. Well, that definitely happened. That's the counterculture revolution of the late 60s and early 70s. And maybe we can revive that a little bit. A dwelling place in the heavens would crash to earth, thereby producing a brilliant blue star called Sakwa Sohu. The blue star Kachina would remove his mask in the village plaza during a sacred Kachina dance. After that, all Hopi ceremonies would cease entirely. Now, all these portents are not strictly chronological, but the final sign will certainly conclude the series and may trigger the end of the fourth world. White Feather furthermore said that the conclusion of the fourth world would be accompanied by great wars and mass destruction. He believed this would especially occur in the lands where the first light of wisdom appeared, perhaps the Middle East or maybe the Near East. Fiery columns of smoke would rise, which might remind us of either the surrealistic scene of Saddam Hussein setting his oil wells on fire during the first Gulf War, or maybe even the shock and awe campaign of the subsequent disastrous Iraqi War. Remember, this Hopi man was talking in 1958, so he could only dream of what was to come. These are the signs that great destruction is coming. The world shall rock to and fro. The white men will battle against other people in other lands with those who possess the first light of wisdom. There will be many columns of smoke and fire, such as White Feather has seen, the white man make in the deserts not far from there. Only those which come will cause disease and a great dying. Many of his people, understanding the prophecies, shall be safe though. And those who stay and live in the places of those people will be, will be safe as well. Thus, the territory in northern Arizona in the vicinity of the Hopi Reservation will apparently be a safe haven during the transition between the end of the fourth world and the beginning of the fifth. White Feather's account is corroborated by a passage from the classic Book of the Hopi, written by Frank Waters and Oswald White Bear Fredericks, published in 1963. And it states... World War III will be started by those peoples who first received the light, the divine wisdom or intelligence, in the other old countries, India, China, Egypt, Palestine, and Africa. 
the United States will be destroyed, land and people, by atomic bombs and radioactivity. Only the Hopis and their homeland will be preserved as an oasis to which refugees will flee. In an afterthought by the author Frank Waters, he stated, we, not, we need not be reminded of the early 2011 turmoil in North Africa and the Middle East known as Arab Spring. Mass protest and unrest resulted in the deaths of innocent people who sought only to throw off the yoke of dictatorship, military rule, or repressive theocracies. Tunisia, Egypt, Bahrain, Yemen, Libya, Iraq, and Syria may all be the lands with the first light of wisdom to which the Hopi elder referred more than a half century ago. The complexities of the various factions and issues unfortunately preclude any easy political or diplomatic answers or actions. End quote. Meanwhile, the apocalyptic strife continues to occur right before our very eyes. The human suffering, mass executions, and deplorable hunger that we see on our TVs and computer screens naturally makes us recoil in despair. It's as if we're paralyzed by what someone has called fear porn. To make matters worse, a small minority of the general populace has assumed the role of fear-mongering, who interprets every major political or social event with some sort of conspiracy theory like some false flag operation. These purveyors of paranoia believe that nefarious truths lurk behind every single headline, keeping many of us in a perpetual state of anxiety. On the other hand, let's not pretend to be New Age Pollyannas either. The Hopi basically believe that humankind must go through a very rough period called the purification, a kind of universal trial by fire. This ordeal will essentially separate the wheat from the chaff, so to speak, or more pertinent to the, to the Hopis, the spiritual corn from the materialistic stock. So the end of the, first wor the fourth world will be hard, and harder for some than others, Another spiritual elder named Dan Evahema, also from the village of Hotavilla, and also over 100 years old when he passed on, talked about the cosmic results of what today we call income inequality. He claimed that the day of purification, the apocalypse maybe, would culminate either in total rebirth or total annihilation. We just don't know which one. But the choice is yours. War and natural catastrophe may be involved. The degree of violence will be determined by the degree of inequality caused among peoples of the world and in balance with nature. In this crisis, rich and poor will be forced to struggle as equals in order to survive. Most Hopi people ultimately believe, however, that this transition between world ages will not mean the total end of the world as we know it, but rather the beginning of what they will call the fifth world, a time of peace for humanity and pristine harmony with Mother Nature leaning towards the possibility of renaissance or a literally rebirth and regeneration rather than annihilation and desolation. Grandfather Monaghy describes this purification and its ultimate outcome. It will then open our hearts and minds with a new age is about to be with people renewed and purified through the fire. It will be like the pure gold of a new day, but fire is red and when it takes command it will set the forces of nature in motion. We will then know purification day has come. We are all the caretakers of life. The balance of nature depends on us. The world will be what we want it to be. 
and we must remember that Hopi prophecies are not contemporary readings of world events, but statements that were made centuries and perhaps even millennia ago. These disturbing commentaries on our current state of global affairs were simply relayed through the generations to, to the very present via the Hopi oral tradition, with very few alterations made in the process. So, in short, make it a good one, guys. And with that, we've come to the end of the episode, and I do thank you for joining me today. I hope that you'll take some time to reach out to me and share your thoughts on what you think. You can always reach the show at darkenigmapodcast at gmail.com. And if you have suggestions for a future show, or you just want to tell me what you think, drop me a line. I will reply to every email. And on that note, that's all the time that I have for today. I thank you for joining me here on Renegade Talk Radio. And don't forget to tune in next time, my heathens. You know, as long as there is a next time. All right, my darlings. Love ya. Mwah. We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.